This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Previously, in two of my recent podcasts, we talked about the need for Father's love. And we also discussed no more sour grape excuses. You see, sour grape excuses can disable us from following the path God has called us to. Too many times we blame shift for our careless behaviors when the truth is God has liberated us of our past and we can walk in that freedom. In this episode today, I invited Mike Rosas to share from his latest book titled Leading the Revolutionary Generation. Mike is an acclaimed speaker and writer. He and his wife, Lydiette, created Lovebot International and are soon to welcome their first group of girls into their flagship orphanage in Columbia. Their mission is to transform the orphans into sons and daughters and help them discover their purpose and pursue a path of poverty eradication. Mike also works as a Houston Rocket chaplain and gets to spend time with the players, teaching and counseling them as a spiritual life coach. In the push to have maximum impact in serving and helping humanity, Mike also invests and runs his own businesses. In 2013, Revolution House Records was founded, and most recently, he launched Uprising Society. A group of ministers, nonprofit founders, and business leaders are coming together to work to impact the world in a profound way. I'm honored that he considers me a mentor and a spiritual father in his life, so I want you to welcome Mike Rosas. Thank you, Doug. Hello, this is Mike Rosas. I'm so honored to be a part of Doug Stringer and Friends podcast. I've had a relationship with Doug and Somebody Cares for several years now, and there's truly no organization on the earth like Somebody Cares America and International, and there's no human being on the earth like Doug Stringer. I'm so honored to be able to call him a mentor and a spiritual father, somebody who's invested so much into me and has helped me in ways that reality will not be able to be counted until I get to the backside of heaven. So I want to share a little bit from my just released a book called Leading the Revolutionary Generation. There's a wide-known saying that says it takes a village to raise a child. And the thought process behind this is that it's not just a father and a mother anymore. You need a good teacher. You need a good support system of friends, a network of relationships with businesses, and just fill in the blank. There's so many parts that go into a child's life who they interact with, who affects them, who brings education, whether it's through a school or through a life of hard knocks. And so it's important to understand the value that everybody plays. And so I kind of wanted to build off that foundation. It may take a village to raise a child, but the reality is that it will take the church to save a generation. And there is a generation that is at stake. Many people have looked at the millennials and the post-millennials, the Generation Z, and so on and so forth, and have connected with the narrative the world has of this generation, saying they're entitled, they're lazy, they're unappreciative, they're divided. And although some of these statements may have pieces of truth, the reality is, is that it is not the whole truth. The reality is that the whole truth can only come from the Father. And so I want to bring us to the fact and the understanding of what is heaven's narrative about the next generation. What is the Father saying about the next generation? Because I want to agree with the 
what the Father is saying. The place of power is agreeing with the Father and doing in obedience what He tells us to do. And so as we look at this next generation, it's easy to see what the narrative of the world is describing because that is the current circumstances that we find ourselves in. But in the same way, the people that were in Jesus' day lost sight of what was in front of them. I believe much of the world, and sadly a large part of the church, has lost sight of what the Father is doing on the earth today through these next generations. I want to read from a passage of Scripture, John chapter 6, verse 41, and just kind of give you a little bit of context. We see Jesus here after doing miracles of bringing the dead back to life, feeding the masses, just doing the impossible. We see people still getting lost in the narrative of not understanding that greatness can come from places we did not expect them to come from. And so we see in these scriptures that you can be blinded by what you hear. I'm going to say that again. What you hear can blind you. And we want to make sure for those that are living on the earth today that we are not blinded by the narrative of the world, but we are given light by the truth of Jesus Christ. So John 6, 41 goes in this manner. It says, The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. You basically have this person who is doing miracles, and people can't conceptualize his divinity because they know where he came from. They know his origins. They know his backstory. And so that holds them back from being able to appreciate, and as we see, receive the salvation that the Savior of the world was bringing. What we see in today's day and age is that many people are seeing a generation that's rising up controlled and manipulated many times by the narrative of the world. And instead of seeking deeper, instead of understanding the the ways of the kingdom, we have bought into the easy solution of just saying what the world is saying because that's what we're seeing in front of us. But as we know, God never makes mistakes. God does not grow weaker. God does not grow older. He is perfect in all of his ways. And so when God raised up every generation, he knew exactly where the world would be at, at that place and time, and what the world would need for his redemptive plan to come to pass. And so what we begin to see is an understanding that this generation needs to be saved. This generation, I believe, is a generation of deliverers. In the Old Testament, we always see prototypes of what the Father wanted to do on the earth. In the Old Testament, we see, we see Moses, this man that was separated because he was special. God had raised up a deliverer. But the enemy, also seeing what God had done, created a preemptive plan of attack to try to erase him. So what does he do? He says, erase all the children, murder them under the age of two. But God, knowing that his plan could not be stopped by the enemy, separates Moses, and Moses eventually leads the Israelites into the promised land. Fast forward a few thousand years later, and we see Jesus, the Messiah, come to light. Herod, understanding this, Satan again doing a preemptive plan of attack, does what? He says, kill all the children under the age of two. 
Yet God, again, divinely protects him, and Jesus brings salvation for all humanity. Now, fast forward again a few thousand more years, and what do we see? Not a deliverer, but a generation of deliverers arising. And so the enemy does what he does best, and he begins to murder through abortion a whole generation. And if that wasn't enough, he then brings up applications. He brings up strategies straight from the pit of hell to try to lead astray a generation that is created for greatness because a great God only knows how to create great people. And so what we see is we find that we have forgotten the prototypes and the fulfillment of the scriptures. In the Old Testament, we see God leading us and teaching us the importance of the understandings. We see Israel go into battle. We see Israel go into battle. We see war after war after war. And then we see a New Testament. We see Paul come upon us, and Paul begins to teach lessons. And we can easily think, well, you know, the Old Testament was war, and the New Testament was peace. No, the reality was the Old Testament was natural war, and the New Testament was spiritual war. That's why Paul addressed Timothy to be a good soldier. Because even though he didn't have knife in hand, he was furthering the kingdom of God. And whenever one kingdom is taking over the dominion and territory of another kingdom, there is always a battle. So what we have is a generation of deliverers that were created in birth. God divinely... Breathe into them for this purpose to be revolutionaries to change the world. But what happens? The same thing we see happens with soldiers that come off the battlefield. If they are not given a battle worth fighting for, then they will self-destruct because they were created to be soldiers. They were created to fight. And so we have a generation that's created to fight, but sadly, we as the church have not given them a battle worth fighting. So the enemy has created false battles to give them the opportunity to cling to something that's greater than themselves. And what we've seen is many in the church begin to leave that same church. And it's a sad thing because this generation needs the church. The same way Moses and Jesus were deliverers, Moses needed his mother to help deliver him. Jesus' stepfather came, Joseph came and delivered him. So what we see is a deliverer generation needs to be delivered. We still need those fathers and mothers to come help lead a generation. But because many people have been led astray by the narrative of the world, then what we've seen is what happened with King David. When his son Absalom was coming underneath him, he was coming into the gates and he was leading the people astray. It was sad because David didn't even know what his son was doing. Can I be very honest with you? We're growing up in a generation of self-creation where children are doing the best they can and are learning online. And they have strategies of the enemy that are being put on all social media outlets to help lead this generation astray. Joseph Stalinitz quoted that he said, Give me the child up until the age of seven, and I'll give you the man. Sadly, many people in the church have given up their children to applications and smartphones and TV, and the enemy is being able to form our children instead of us. And so what we have is an understanding. What your children experience, they will reproduce. I'm going to say that again. 
what your children experience, they will reproduce. If we are creating a culture of seeking God at home, if that is what our children are experiencing, then that is what they will reproduce. But if we don't, if they only see parents who go to church on Sundays, if they only see parents that pray before meals, can I tell you, what your children experience, they will reproduce. We have to understand, just because it's easy on them doesn't mean it's easy for them. Just because they have applications, just because they have computers and smartphones, things that a generation ago were completely unheard of, doesn't mean it's easier on them. What it means many times is they have the ability to do more. Now, it's not defined if it's good or evil. It's just defined that they have the ability to do more. And that is why we as the church, from the children's pastors to the lead pastor, from the student pastor to the ushers to the greeting team, we all have a place not only of giving them a community, but of giving them people that love and care for them just because they are them. I am today 35 years old, and I find myself in a place where even though I came in at the very front end of the millennial range, I experience a very different world than this generation is experiencing. In my generation, maximizing one million pixels through a website can make you a millionaire. There was a kid who, when the, when the dot-com boom was happening, he created a website and he sold every pixel to be marketed for a dollar a piece. And he took a million pixel website and became a millionaire by marketing off each pixel. Well, this generation is completely different. This generation, the goal is to maximize influence. So it's people instead of pixels. So instead of going for a million pixels to market, they go for a million people. So they do crazier and crazier things, whether it's revealing more of their physical selves or doing more extreme things to create content and to get a million people to follow them because they know they can monetize the million just like the child did in my age. And so we find a generation that's looking for a cause, looking for a place to belong. They're looking for somebody to help steer, steer them and support them. And that is where the church is the only vehicle that fits in perfectly. Nobody else, no other organization, no other village fits into that same place. Only the church. But if we don't understand that we have not lost a generation but we have rejected a generation, and that is why they are leaving us. In some of the most recent polls, they have said 35%. Now, these are millennials that were raised in the church. 35% of millennials think the church does more harm than good. How sad and heartbreaking is that? We have millennials that have ra were raised up in the church, have left the church because they see no value in the church. And I believe it's because they didn't see the biblical church. They saw a church that was not representing Christ in the way it should have been represented. And I understand we go through tough times. We go through overwhelming times. I can't tell you how hard it is to be a pastor in this day and age, how hard it is to lead a generation that has been formed by the enemy to try to fall. But can I tell you, now more than ever, we need the church. Now more than ever, we need the fathers and the mothers to lead us. I've heard from countless elder believers say, well, just don't forget us when you cross the Jordan. My response to them is we can't cross the Jordan without you. We need you to lead us there. And so the understanding is just like there's no Hebrew word for retirement, there is no place for retirement in the scriptures. 
Now, it's okay if you want to transition out of your current job, but please don't transition out of your current calling because we need you on your knees. We need you loving this next generation because the enemy has his own strategy, not necessarily of a quasi-father or mother, but what he has is applications that were literally created to lead a generation astray. In a newspaper article, Elite Social Network Internal Memo showed how social media can identify when teens feel insecure, worthless, and need a confidence boost. That's not a problem likes can fix. That is a problem only the Father can fix. But when they don't understand the solution, the truth that Jesus Christ is, then they will look to maximize their following by doing more and more extreme things, by revealing more and more extreme things in the hopes that they'll get more likes, that release endorphins that at the end of the day make them feel desired, make them feel cared for, loved, special, however you want to define it. It's sad that they are not getting that already. Now, whatever the case may be, we can say that, 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 that they're busy, that they don't want it, but the reality is we are still the answer they need. The church is still the only solution. It is the vehicle that Christ chooses to use on the earth today. That same article said that social media is literally creating this semi-busy life, this semi-busy thought process that even though people are not on the application, they still carry the likes and the dislikes, the, the articles they read. And so what happens is they're creating what many define as a, as, as, as a giftedness of being able to, uh, to multitask is in reality a person just being divided in their thought process. And so what happens is the church has to come and has to begin to lead them back into the place they need to be. We have to understand the importance of social media that it plays in an individual's life, but understand the greater importance that the church plays in the life of a millennial or a post-millennial. We have to understand the place that we bring to them because it is a generation that is created for deliverance. It is a generation that is created for revolution. And when I say revolution, I mean this. Revolution in its definition is to basically go full circle. And so what happens is this, this generation is created to help lead and impact people to go full circle back to their creator, to help them understand the love that the Father has for them, to help them understand that they are chosen and they are called for such a time as this. But to bless the next generation, we must first understand them. We must understand where they're coming from. We must understand the pivotal role that we play in their lives. I've had the opportunity to speak in front of thousands and thousands of millennials over the last decade in Generation Z. And through research, through trials and tests and studies, it has been proven over and over and over again that the main voice of influence in a young person's life is their parents. Now, let's be honest, in today's day and age, not everybody has their physical father and physical mother at home. And that is the perfect place for the church to come in. That is the perfect place for the church to show its value. The Bible says in Isaiah 54, 1, that the barren woman will have more than the woman with child. What does that mean? There are so many spiritual and natural orphans around us in America and in the world. There are so many fatherless, 
sons and daughters that are in the earth that are desperately crying out for attention. If the church began to be a house of people that understand their role, regardless of age, but they're calling to be fathers and daughters to an orphan generation, we can begin to redeem and reconcile a generation that has seen the loss and value of the church. And it's not the church's loss of value. It's that the narrative in the mind of the millennials has been changed because of the lies that the father of lies is releasing. But if we stand for truth, not for agendas, if we stand for truth, not for, not for processes and culture, so to speak, but if we stand for the timeless truths that pervade every culture, every time, and every age, we will see the truth of God's word come to pass. We will see the brilliance of Jesus Christ revealed to a generation that, like Psalms 82 says, is going in unstable places in darkness. And they will begin to see a light. They'll begin to see a glimmer of hope that shows them that there is a better tomorrow. But we, the church, have to understand that we are the choice vehicle that God is using to save this generation. It may take a village to raise a child, but it will take the church to save a generation. And whether you know it or not, whether you agree with it or not, whether you accept it or not, there is a generation that hangs in the balance. There is a generation that does not know its heavenly father and does not know its value. There's a generation that, to be honest with you, if we say, you're incredible, reach for the stars, we'll say, sir, yes, sir. But if we tell them you are worthless, they'll say, Sir, yes, sir. They are so created to be led that if the church does not stand up and lead, the enemy will very easily raise up false leaders to lead them astray. And that is why we need the church, every single member, not just the pastoral staff, but every single member that considers themselves a part of the body of Christ to stand up and be counted. We need every single member of the church moving into the fullness of what they've been called because we have to have the expectation that America. America has not yet seen its greatest days. We have to have the understanding from heaven that God is up to something. Jesus said, my father is always is at work. God has not chipped in for his retirement. God is not waiting for the end of the world. God is waiting to see what his body will stand up and do with a generation that has been created to change this world, a generation that has been created for revolution. So my challenge to all the listeners of this podcast is will you stand up and be counted? Will you begin to intercede and to be a deliverer for the deliverer generation? Will you begin to be a father and a mother, which is truly the, one of the life messages of Doug Stringer, of being a father to a fatherless generation? Will you stand up and be counted as a father? Because the barren woman and the father that has an empty house will soon be filled with sons and daughters, the, the, the fact they won't have enough room for. If, if we are willing to pay the price to redeem a generation. If we're willing to do whatever it takes to save a generation, I believe America will see the third great awakening. I believe this millennial generation and post-millennial generation will see the greatness that they were created for, and they will walk into the fullness of God's plan for their lives. And I know I'm speaking to a group of people who are apt for that message. I know the people that are listening in and tuning in have been helped matured through this podcast to step into this to this Kairos moment of understanding the importance of what God is not about to do, but what he, he has already begun to do. Church, it is our time. There's a generation that's waiting on us. 
Thank you to Doug Stringer and the Somebody Cares America team for this opportunity. I bless you, and I commission you to go and change the world. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.